Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello. Welcome to the Sarah Avon Stover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah, best-selling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello friends, today is a milestone episode. It's the 100th episode since starting this podcast six and a half years ago. And while I've changed a lot during these past several years, a lot, a lot, I feel like I've lived many lifetimes since then, uh, the podcast has as well, just right along with me. 
So I'm grateful to all of you who've been listening since the start. And I'm also grateful to all of you who are brand new here or just recent subscribers. Welcome. Welcome to you all. And I so appreciate you being part of this community. In honor of this 100th episode, I'm doing something I've never done before. I just generally don't like to talk that much about myself. Um, yeah, but I'm going to be doing that today in service of just answering some of your questions through an Ask Me Anything Q&A session. Over the past couple of weeks, I've gathered questions from you via email, Facebook, Instagram. Thank you for your submissions. And I also want to offer a deep bow to those of you who recently rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes after my request a couple of episodes back. This means a lot to me, and it helps women who might also benefit from this podcast to find it. So if you haven't yet rated and reviewed this podcast, I invite and encourage you to do this now or soonish. It only takes a few minutes. I know your schedule is very full. And please know that it's a big support to me, to women who could find this and to the podcast to help keep it going. So thank you in advance for your generosity and your time and your contribution in this way. Last, before we dive into this round of Ask Me Anything, I wanted to let you know that things have been quite full here behind the scenes as registration for a few of my longtime beloved programs are now open and they are new and improved and evolved and these programs are open throughout the month of February. If you are looking for more community, more inspiration, more mentorship and accountability in bringing your life into greater alignment and into greater impeccability and integrity and making your spiritual practice the foundation of your entire life, Women's House of Wisdom offers all of this and more. So this is growing out of my former red tent and the She School. It's the latest iteration of that. A nine-month online psycho-spiritual practice community. It includes women's yoga, meditation, and now for the first time ever, internal family systems therapy. Women's House of Wisdom offers monthly half-day women's yoga and meditation retreats, as well as monthly women's IFS therapy groups to support you both in deepening in your self-trust and inner wisdom, while also healing and clearing psychological blocks that can stand in the way of that and can stand in the way of other things you're wanting to realize and experience in your life. Also, for spiritually oriented female entrepreneurs and professionals, I'm offering an inner circle to Women's House of Wisdom. This is also for women who are interested in working more closely with me personally with one-on-one -on -one sessions. My version of a mastermind, it's called the Wisdom Circle, 
and it integrates authentic, sustainable business principles with spiritual practice and psychological growth. And this trifecta I have found has been the one that is just incredibly potent for me. I found that growing a business and growing myself along the way in ways that feel really aligned and genuine and also provides the financial sustenance that I need, it really takes all three of these. So it takes rooting into my spiritual practice and allowing my public offerings to stem from that deep inner wellspring. And given that my career path has been one of the most potent pathways for my own personal growth, internal family systems or IFS has and continues to play a crucial role in helping to heal and clear the blocks that come up along the way of realizing this blocks like working with the inner critic, the imposter syndrome, pushing too hard, self-doubt, the perfectionist, and much more. Both programs run from March to November, and you can learn more about them at womenshouseofwisdom.com. That's womenshouseofwisdom.com. And now on to today's special 100th episode Ask Me Anything session. I hope you enjoy. All right, here we go. I'm going to dive in with the first question, which reads, I'm really curious to know how you are staying in such good shape and looking so beautiful lately. I saw your recent photos from Hawaii, which inspired this question. So what are you doing for exercise and movement practices these days? What are you eating? Still the beam protocol? And what about skincare and other self-care or beauty regimes? And how do these fit into your daily, weekly, monthly routines? First, thank you for your kind words. I appreciate them. And second, I want to say that my primary intention in sharing my responses to this and my my primary hope is that we each learn to listen to and trust our own bodies and to nourish ourselves in the way that feel right and sustainable for us and I just share these things in case they are helpful for you but not to compare yourself or to use this as something to beat yourself up for and make make you feel bad about yourself and I get it. I also like to hear about these things from, from other women too. It's, I find it inspiring and just helpful for me to um, learn more about how other women are taking care of themselves, especially as we grow older. So the first part of this exercise and movement, actually, I'm doing much less exercise now than ever before in my adult life. And I do move a lot. I just, I need movement to just function and help me process life. And I usually move twice a day in the morning and in the late afternoon or evening. So I generally practice gentle flow yoga or yin yoga in the mornings for about an hour. And then I go for a walk and occasionally a more vigorous hike in the later afternoon for about an hour. And I do, I do aim to get my 10,000 steps in each day. When it's COVID safe, which is, it is not right now, 
I usually go to about two dance classes a week. Uh, one is more kind of cardio dance and one is, is salsa. But I'm not doing either one of those right now because of just the huge COVID surge happening. And I imagine I'll integrate a day of weight training or bar class when things feel safe again. Uh, I used to do a lot of cardio, a lot of elliptical spinning, a lot of bar classes, a lot of more vigorous hikes. And for the past two or three years, I've been really focusing on listening to my body and just having gone through a lot of stressful experiences, my body was wanting and needing just gentler movement and also needing to heal my adrenals, which a lot of cardio doesn't help with. So I'm finding that these gentler forms of movement help to meet me where I am, and I don't feel a lot of resistance to doing them, and they've helped my body to heal, and I, and it, I still feel healthy and great in my body. And in terms of eating, yes, I'm still on my own adaptation of the BEAM protocol. And if you don't know what that is, if you're curious to learn more about that, you can see episode 80 of this podcast with Unique Hammond, where we talk all about the BEAM protocol. And I've been doing this for one and a half years now. I did it very strictly at first, and now I've customized it more for my body and life. And it's been a game changer for me. It really simplifies meal making, which I like. My digestion is better than it's ever been. My energy feels really steady. My mind feels really clear. It has helped to reduce inflammation in my body that all kinds of other supplements and ways of eating did not. So I'm just really happy with the bean protocol. And I imagine I'll just continue on with it. In terms of skincare, the first thing that comes to mind is some advice that I heard or read from Sophia Loren when I was in my early 20s, and that is that she washed her face with oil every night. And I've been doing this since my early 20s. I put oil on a cotton ball. Usually it's coconut oil if I'm in a warm climate or it's summer or sesame oil if it's winter. And I use that and just wipe it over my, my whole face at night, and it removes my makeup, it removes dirt and grime, and that's, I never use a cleanser, that's the extent of my facial cleaning, and then I might, you know, wipe it off with water and a washcloth, and then add my moisturizers and serums and such. I also heard the recommendation to always add moisturizer to your hands and your neck. And these are parts of us that can can get ignored. We often just put moisturizer on our face. So I've been I've also put moisturizer on my neck and hands. And my favorite one for that is the Waleda skin food. It's just so rich and delicious and thick and just especially helpful in dry climate like the one that I'm in in Colorado. I also wear sunscreen every day and I, on my face, on my body, if I'm out at the beach and I actually didn't start wearing sunscreen like this until I was like in my early thirties. I think I used to just bake in the sun 
It's crazy. I wish I had started sooner. Uh, but I, I still love the sun, but I, I wear sunscreen and a sun hat. So that helps. And I'd say most important, some of the other most important factors is I drink a lot of water. So I have a, a quart mason jar and I make sure that I drink at least two quarts of water a day and sometimes three. And I also eat a lot of fats. So with the bean protocol, part of it is to eat one cup of fats like avocado or nuts and seeds or four tablespoons of oil or nut butter per day. And this really helps to hydrate the skin, really helps to balance our hormones as women, even out our energy. So I I do eat all those fats every day and I love it. I eat lots of green vegetables. I I do eat really well. I have eaten well for a long time. It's something that's really important to me. And yes, I do love French fries. I do love pizza. I do love the occasional uh, decaf latte. I I love food. I love good food. So I I don't deprive myself. But it's it's about moderation. And I usually just eat two meals a day and my fat snack. So I usually don't eat until around like 11 or 12. And then I'll have a fat snack in the afternoon. And then I like to eat an early dinner, like five or six, because I like to go to sleep early. And I juice every morning, except when I'm traveling. And these days, it's a lot of celery juice with ginger and lemon. And sleep is also a huge priority for me. I I like to get nine to 10 hours of sleep if I can. And again, moving every day. And now that I'm 44, I'm finding that I need and want to do even more for my skin. And some of the things that I've found that are important in addition to eating well and moisturizing are brightening and exfoliating. So I exfoliate every day using the Sinitas brand 15% Glyco Solution, which you can get at Pharmaca.com. And this is a high percentage. They also have a 5 and I think a 10%. So 15, you could find it's too strong for your skin. It might make you start peeling. It definitely stings, but you get used to it. I put that on a cotton ball and just wipe it over my whole face when I wake up. And I also love the Goop skincare line. So to help also with the exfoliation and the brightening once a week, I do a Goop Glow Peel, which has vitamin C and glycolic acid. And then every other day in the evening, I also use the Goop Microderm Instant Glow Exfoliator. It's like a scrub that you put on your skin. And I love all those products for those purposes of exfoliating and brightening. And I also love the Goop Glow Vitamin C Serum. Or you just, you know, you can get any kind of vitamin C serum, serum, but I particularly like this one. I put it on in the morning, and that also helps with brightening the skin. At night, to help with fine lines and such, I like Marie Veronique's Gentle Retinol Night Serum. I find that it's not abrasive for my skin. And I also like to use different kinds of face tools like a jade roller, which I keep in my freezer and just use that roller on my face in the mornings and um, also have a derma roller. 
And in terms of my SPF, just for regular daily use, I have one that's combined with a a foundation and I use Juice Beauty, their stem cellular CC cream. I've used this for several years and that has a 30 SPF in it. So I just put that on um, after all my my serum and my, my moisturizer. So in terms of how I fit all this into my daily schedule, basically my morning routine is I wake up, I drink half a quart of warm lemon water, I make my green juice and drink it, I'll um, do a jade roller on my face. I also do oil pulling with sesame oil in the mornings. I'll do my morning skincare routine, I'll do my meditation, my yoga, and then I'll get started on my work for the day. And at the end of the day, I go for a walk, I eat an early dinner, oftentimes I'll take a bath, I like to bathe in the evening rather than the morning, I'll do my skincare routine, and I'll get in bed. And I'm usually in bed between 8 and 9, I love going to bed early, I love getting a good night's sleep, and um, throughout the rest of the day, I just I drink, I drink the rest of that water, I drink two, again, two to three quarts of water. So question number two, what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? And what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? I also appreciate this question because I love reading. I love books. I'm always reading at least one, sometimes multiple. And honestly, the books that I've given the most as gifts are my own books And um, that's not to be just self-indulgent, but that's just how it has turned out. And if I look back at this year or the past year, uh, 2021, the book that I gave a, a few times is Miranda McPherson's book, The Way of Grace. And I particularly gave it in the audio, the audible book formula because uh, she reads it and it's just a beautiful book. Her voice is a, it's a very soothing voice and her transmission comes through with her voice. And this book is offers a feminine approach to non-duality and the non-dual approach to spirituality, which is my my primary orientation. And then in terms of other books that have greatly influenced my life, Just the way that my memory works, I read a lot, but I often forget just what books I've read. So each month I I share a monthly newsletter. It's called Monthly Insights. And in it, I I share books that I'm reading that I've loved or shows or movies that I've watched that I've loved. And if you're not subscribed to that newsletter and you want to be, you can subscribe at sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag newsletter, sarahavonstover.com forward slash hashtag newsletter. But off the top of my head, some of the books that have most influenced me are Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, and that's more of, that has really influenced me in terms of business building. 
And this year, the novel A Girl Called Rumi by Ari Hanavar was just phenomenal, really one of the best novels I've ever read. And you can hear an interview with me and Ari on this podcast, episode number 76 from about a year ago. And also A Course in Miracles, I, I still am working through um, maybe for my fourth time now, the workbook in A Course in Miracles. And I did it every day for a few years, starting several years ago. It got me through some very challenging years and just was incredibly healing and influential in terms of deepening my relationship with the divine. So I know there are more, but those are the ones that that come to mind right now. Question number three, how wonderful your book, The Way of the Happy Woman, is one I come back to again and again to remind myself of the seasons. I'm curious if your knowledge and thinking about this has changed over time. I would say that time and life experience has only reinforced my trust and faith in the seasons. And I just see more and more the importance of honoring the seasons internally and externally. And also the constant invitation and opportunity and challenge of aligning with the seasons and really honoring the seasons amidst a world and dominant culture that does not. And while some of the practices and recipes and such that I included in there, there would probably be different now because those are constantly changing and evolving for me. The, the core principles would not. And so in that way, it's, I feel like it's just my faith deepened. Like I said, my faith just deepens in the seasons over time. I want to take a short break from today's Q&A to invite you to a free workshop I'm offering later in February. It's called Becoming Whole in 2022. Healing Brokenness, Clearing Blocks, and Clarifying Your Vision for Work and Life. And this free Women's Internal Family Systems Therapy Workshop is happening on Tuesday, February 22nd at noon Mountain Time. And do not worry, if you can't attend live, you will receive the recording afterwards. And I'm offering this at this time because I find that by the end of February, the gusto of the new year starts to dwindle, and it can be a potent time to re-clarify, to tweak, to recommit to one's vision for the year. And we'll do this together during this time. I'll lead you through an exercise to uncover deeper clarity, as well as to bring to the surface what blocks are standing in your way of realizing this vision and what gifts are available for you to tap into to help realize it. And to do this, we'll use the internal family systems or IFS therapeutic model. For those of you who are not familiar with it, this is an evidence-based model of psychotherapy that I am trained in now 
and it's sweeping the world and touted by A-listers like Tim Ferriss, Gabby Bernstein, Gwyneth Paltrow, and more. And IFS has transformed and improved, changed, and even saved my life, as it has for many of my private clients. And I invite you to come and experience it for yourself. You can learn more and join us for free at becomingwholeifs.com. That's becomingwholeifs.com. And now back to our Q&A. Question number four. Any recommendations on websites or online journal prompts to get creative journaling juices flowing? And I imagine the goal is to have journaling like meditation flow organically without aids, but I'm not there yet. I need something to motivate me, text me, email me every day to get into the habit. So unfortunately, nothing comes to mind in terms of um, something that could be sent to you daily to help with this. The journaling practices that I have engaged with and that I continue to engage with are come from two places. One is Julia Cameron's artist way with her morning pages. And that's just three usually handwritten pages stream of consciousness where obviously you just, you just write whatever comes to mind. And the only rule is that you don't let the pen stop moving. Even if you're writing, I don't know what to say. I need something to motivate me. And she also has uh, various workbooks. So you could look under Julia Cameron Artist Way on Amazon, and maybe one of her workbooks would offer more daily prompts or aids to help with this. And I also, similar to this, is the practice of proprioceptive writing. And you can Google proprioceptive writing, but that's also... Um, a stream of consciousness practice. Number five, this might be too specific, but within IFS work, how do I work with two parts who seem to have radically opposing preferences? So this isn't too, this isn't too specific. Uh, This is very common and it's called polarization where one part wants one thing and another part wants another thing. Like, for example, one part of you wants to quit your job and another part of you wants you to keep your financial stability. And these polarizations, they create a lot of internal tension, as you're likely aware. They um, create a lot of mental tension where you're constantly just thinking about these two sides of things. They can create emotional tension And that can translate into physical tension. So the best way to work with two polarized parts is with uh, a trained person in IFS who can hold space for you and these two different parts and to help you tease them out and get to a place of resolution with them. And the way to do that is to give each of these parts equal time and equal say to hear them both fully out 
And in doing so, to get to the root of what each of these parts most wants for you in your life, like what are their deepest intentions and desires for you in your life? And usually when you do that, you can find a place where these parts have common ground, where they ultimately want the same thing for you. And from there, you can really just start to introduce these parts to each other and introduce to them the possibility of working together towards that common goal rather than working against each other. And you can negotiate a path forward that they're both able to buy into. One other thing I would say is that these warring parts are often protecting a wound. There's a wound beneath these polarized parts. And if you can heal that wound that they're protecting, again, this this would involve working with a trained IFS therapist, then um, you will be able to have that inner war cease because there'll be if that wound is healed, there's no there's no need for these parts to be polarized and at war with each other to distract you from from that. Number six, what are the red flags you identify now that you didn't in your previous and most destructive relationships? Yes, red flags. Um, these are super important. I did not I did not know about red flags really until it was too late. And now I'm very aware of red flags. I do not tolerate red flags. I do not even tolerate yellow flags. The minute I, when I was dating, the minute I sensed a yellow or red flag, um, that was that was it. So the red flags that I can identify right now, and there may be more, but I feel like these are the most important ones, is they um, need to be with a person who respects my boundaries. And so an example of this, when I was dating and um, I... I think a friend introduced me to someone. This was during COVID times. And I said that I I wanted to meet on the phone first or FaceTime first before meeting in person just because of safety protocols. And they didn't, they did not like that. <laughs> so that was the end of that person. So being with someone who respects my boundaries is really important. A red flag is if someone is too charismatic, if they are too intense. Um, also, if they do not have a healthy relationship with their mother and often um, narcissistic traits emerge from men who have unhealthy relationships with their mothers. And that's not to say that that always happens, but that it can be an indicator of it particularly if there's like um, emotionally emotional incest with their mother. It's important to me that I feel safe in my body and my nervous system when I'm with this person. So if I don't feel that inner sense of safety, that's a red flag. Any sort of an addiction is a red flag. And for me, particularly um, if they're drinking too much or feels like they have an unhealthy relationship with porn or sex, uh, if they're flirtatious with other women and or have a lot of other women orbiting around them, uh, you know, like a lot of texts with other women, a lot of um, super close friendships with other women, 
I think it's important for men to have relationships with women, but if it feels like there's any degree of inappropriateness or excessive flirtation there, that's a red flag for me. It's a red flag for me if the man is wanting to move too quickly and is resistant to taking things slowly or is too um, profuse with their praise for me. Uh, The phrase for that is love bombing. So if there's love bombing and if there's a history of infidelity, uh, that's a red flag that I do not go towards. And also if communication is unreliable or sporadic, So I really look for reliable communication, treating me well, um, words matching actions. Those are all just really important things that I stand for now in my intimate relationships. Number seven, how do I stay committed and disciplined to my practices? When I veer off course, how do I get back on? I find it easy to set intentions and begin, but more challenged with long-term commitment to any action or practice. Any practical tips to share? Yes, I appreciate your, just your willingness to keep coming back to your practice, even if, even if you veer off course. And to be honest, I'll say that I don't struggle with this. I've, I've had a daily practice now for 23 years and Discipline comes easily for me, thankfully, and my daily practice at first was challenging, uh, but because I've been doing it for so long, it's just a non-negotiable for me, and it's really just the foundation of my life. So what helped me to get to this place, um, first, going on a a week-long 10-day meditation retreat helped me to get started. It helped me to really, really get the benefit of the practice and to, to feel inspired to work it into my daily life. And then after that, going on regular retreats, like bare minimum, one retreat a year to help me to recommit and to deepen and to kind of get off of plateaus if I've plateaued in my practice or development. And in between that time, working with spiritual mentors regularly, I invest in myself, I invest in support, spiritual and psychological support, uh, because I, I really value myself. And I know that the more that I can support myself in these ways, the better my life is going to be. I'm also part of a spiritual community. I, I know that it's very hard to do this by ourselves. We're actually not meant to, to do all of these things in life by ourselves. That's just one of the fallacies of modern culture and this hyper-individualism. So community, support, retreats, I don't know how it's possible to, to commit to these things long-term without, without these supports. And all of those things help me to set up my day to make time for this. And again, just to make it a central non-negotiable part of my life and to, to have people in my life who have similar values and are on the same page and we can talk about it and support each other with it. Just invaluable. Number eight, I've been thinking recently about how sadness is a gift because it lets you go of let because it lets you let go of something. 
thoughts. I agree. Uh, all emotions are gifts. And Rumi's poem, The Guest House, is a great example of this, a great teacher of this. Our emotions are all communicating something essential to us. And if we can pick up that message, um, we can integrate it. So sadness is communicating that there's a loss or there's an impending loss. And the feeling of that sadness is how we process that loss. So if we jump over it, because there's a lot of stigma against sadness or more challenging emotions, uh, we stunt that process and something remains stuck inside. So yes, to feeling our feelings, it's, it's, it's very hard to do. It's very simple to say, and it can just profoundly, it's a profound um, healing process and spiritual practice because it brings us into the depths of who we are. Number nine, if you could invite five people alive or deceased to dinner, who would you invite and why? So again, this goes back to my memory thing. (laughs) I don't my mind is, isn't able to pull on a big archive of things, even though I, I do read and study a lot. So I'll just say the ones that come to mind uh, first off. So the first two are Barack and Michelle, and Michelle Obama. Um, I just think they're incredibly awesome, interesting, dynamic, committed human beings individually. And also just a powerhouse couple together. So I would just want to ask them questions and learn from them about their marriage, about their careers, about their perspectives on life, their daily routines, and the books that are reading, all that sort of stuff. The next person is Tim Ferriss, and he's been kind of like a mentor from afar for many years. And I so appreciate his business and financial acumen. I I learn a lot from him in that regard. His intelligence around a whole host of things, including health. And also, I would want to ask him about his perspectives about global warming and particularly precautions that we can and should be taking now individually to prepare us for what's coming in the world. Uh, Oprah Winfrey just one of, I know that I'm not alone in this, just one of my um, huge inspirations. She's a fount of service, of grace and abundance. And so I just would want to ask her questions about business and life and spirituality. And the last would be Aung San Suu Kyi, who was a Burmese Nobel Peace Prize laureate and former prime minister of Myanmar. She has been under house arrest since 2021 for her role in helping to shift Myanmar from military control to democracy. And the country is now under military control again. And I would want to talk to her to learn about her commitment to her cause and devoting her whole life to this and how she finds the strength and resilience to stay with it even under such incredibly adverse conditions. Number 10, what practices do you recommend to slow down and try to jump off the hamster wheel of modern life? 
both in our time off or permanently? Yes, this is an important question. So for me, first and foremost, my daily meditation and mindful movement practice, which is yoga, that is just so key to having that time to just sit and be every day. And I I meditate for 30 minutes a day, six days a week, take one day off. IFS therapy, internal family systems therapy has been and continues to be really huge for me again with this to really get to the root of why you're on the hamster wheel in the first place. What are the parts of you that are driving you that are keeping you from slowing down or overriding the parts of you that want to slow down? And, you know, we can meditate until the cows come home or want to slow down as much as we want. But if we don't get to the root of why those part, why we have certain parts that are preventing us from doing that, nothing's really going to land or take effect. Going on regular retreats, and I know some of these things I've been saying over and over again, but that's because it's it's what's true. Um, Going on regular retreats, they insert these pause points in our lives and during those times I unplug, I, you know, I'm not working, everything really slows down. And that usually after retreat, I feel recommitted to integrate or reinforce certain boundaries or certain daily structures. And if I go too long without retreat, it's like, it's kind of like if you just accumulate too much junk in your house without decluttering, things just become too full. And If that goes on for too long, you can get to the point where things are unmanageable. On a weekly basis, I have a day of rest, and that's usually on Sundays. And if I'm teaching on a weekend, it will be the day after I finish teaching where I don't schedule anything and I don't do my practices. I usually unplug from technology, at least for the first part of the day, and that also helps to slow the momentum. And then I also have periods each morning and night where my phone is off, where I'm not on technology, and that also helps with the slowing down process. So I don't, I don't turn my phone on in the morning until after my morning practices. I keep my phone in the kitchen on airplane mode at night, you know, when I'm starting, when I'm getting ready for bed. So I have those designated times where I'm not engaging with the world. Number 11, which tool has worked best for you to connect your spiritual journey to your professional one? Hmm. Yeah, so the tool that has worked best is my meditation and prayer practice. And this is the time when I really drop into my inner guidance and I allow the larger will to be the guiding force in my life rather than one of my own parts or my egoic will. And that's a daily practice of um, aligning, attuning, asking, and then following through on that. So my professional journey then is is an emanation of my spiritual one. And that hasn't always fully been the case. Uh, It has been in various degrees, but now... Now there's a full alignment there, which feels really good. And if I were to add one other tool that has supported me with this, it's um, 
psychedelic journeys done in therapeutic supported environments. So in my 20s, that was ayahuasca ceremonies. And over the past 10, 12 years, it's been more MDMA and psilocybin journeys where I really drop in and get downloads, get clear about where I'm in alignment, where, where I'm not. These days I'm, I'm in alignment, um, but so I'm not getting those cues about what's out of alignment right now. Again, which I'm grateful for. It's, it's taken work to get to this place. Uh, but I do get downloads about what I, what I want to create. And then the work after that is to integrate that and to actually create, which has its own gifts and challenges. And the last question, number 12, how can you keep your practice aligned with your current life situation and always engaging? So again, my, my answers here are going to mirror some previously, but hopefully that's just to really drive in the the truth that these things are so important. So the first thing is doing my practice regularly. And then my practice can grow and evolve along with me. And each day I, I feel into, I do the four-part check-in, uh, which is in both of my books. And I also did a podcast episode of that recently where I, I guided you through it. And you can also check out my Insight Timer Meditations, Grounding into the Four Dimensions of Your Being, to help guide you with that. So I check in with the four dimensions of my being, body, mind, emotions, spirit, and see how those elements are doing, what they're needing on a daily basis, and adapt my practice accordingly. Going on retreats also helps. It's Again, it's a time to pause and to reassess and to see, okay, what am I needing during this season of my life? Working with a spiritual mentor, which I do regularly and have for 20 years now, that helps to to discuss and engage with these things, uh, being part of a spiritual community as well, and talking about these things with other people and hearing what they're doing, getting inspiration, and also doing seasonal and year-end check-ins with myself uh, in addition to those retreats just to see where I am, what I'm needing, where I'm wanting to go, what I need to help me to get there, and how my practice can support that. So again, just really carving out these times to be intimate with oneself, to be intimate with one's higher power as one knows it, and to get support with that, with spiritual mentorship and community and regular retreats. So thank you all for your questions. I hope this has been supportive. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for celebrating this 100th episode with me. And I look forward to many more. Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. 
And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.